This is Michael J. Fox. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Learn more about the Michael J. Fox Foundation's work and how you can help speed a cure at michaeljfox.org. This is Dave Iverson. We've all heard that developing new drugs to treat disease is a long and expensive proposition. In fact, on average, it takes 13 years and nearly $2 billion to develop a new drug for neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's. That's one of the reasons why so-called drug repurposing or drug repositioning is so attractive. You take a drug that's already been approved for one disease and see if it might work in another. Fox Foundation CEO, Dr. Todd Scherer. The goal of repurposing is to try to take a drug that has one use and see if we could find additional uses for that drug. Specifically, in a lot of examples, we're looking at drugs that are already available, already on the market for people to treat one disease. And based on an understanding of the way that drug works, we're now looking to see whether we can apply that drug to treat other diseases or symptoms. It may sound odd that a drug for one disease might be effective in treating a very different condition, but Scher says the key question is not so much disease similarity, but how the drug in question affects the body. The most important thing about searching for drugs that you can repurpose into Parkinson's disease treatments is related to the underlying biology and scientific mechanisms through which that drug is affecting the body. It's less important in, in a lot of ways to understand what the current disease is being treated by that drug. It's much more important to really look at what that drug's doing to the body. Take the example of two very different diseases, hypertension and Parkinson's. It turns out that a blood pressure drug called isratapine could prove to be useful in preserving the dopamine neurons that are lost in Parkinson's. So in the case of isratapine, in its role as a high blood pressure medicine, isratapine's function is to block the activity of uh, certain channels, certain receptors in the body that have to do with getting calcium in and out of the cells. And that's how the muscle of the heart sort of controls its activity is by regulating the flow of calcium in and out of those cells. What's important for Parkinson's is that we also know that the survival of brain cells is also dependent on the regulation of the flow of calcium in and out of those cells. So by using a drug like azratapine that impacts the same mechanism, we have the potential to really examine whether azratapine can have an impact in Parkinson's disease. The idea of using an already approved blood pressure drug to treat Parkinson's came about by way of both basic science and epidemiological study. A Northwestern University researcher named Jim Surmeyer discovered the role calcium channels play in the survival of dopamine cells, which in turn suggested that a calcium channel blocker like azratapine might be useful in treating Parkinson's disease. That fundamental research insight was strengthened by epidemiological studies, which showed that people who took isratapine were less likely to get Parkinson's. Put those findings together, and you have a candidate for drug repurposing. So you can get data from the laboratory, but also data on the potential of some uh, drugs to be repurposed from human studies, observational studies as well. So in the case of isratapine, it's sort of hitting both of those um, levels of evidence. Another drug repurposing candidate for Parkinson's comes from drugs currently used to treat diabetes. Again, the diseases would seem to have little in common, yet they share an underlying common denominator that could mean a drug used to treat one might be effective in treating the other. 
I do think this area around repositioning of diabetes drugs for Parkinson's is very interesting and is getting pretty exciting. And a lot of that has to do with the commonalities of some of the underlying biology. Um, It just seems like some of the proteins that are being targeted by the diabetes drugs and to improve the symptoms and treatment of that disease, those same proteins are also involved in the survival of brain cells. And the same way that you'd want to impact that protein in the diabetes context is the same way that you'd want to impact that protein to promote the survival of those brain cells. So there's um, a commonality of the underlying science. But identifying good drug repurposing candidates is only half the battle. For starters, there's the question of safety. Just because a drug has been found safe to treat one disease doesn't mean it will necessarily be safe to use in another. To give some extreme examples, there could be a drug that is approved for a treatment of a a disease that is seen in children. While the drug's on the market, it's really only been given to people who are, are children. And to now reposition that drug to give to a disease that's impacting adults or or elderly individuals, there may not actually be a lot of experience with that drug in that new population. So you still need to go and do the thorough safety testing. That testing process includes examining basic questions like drug dosage, something that could vary greatly between the disease the drug was initially designed to treat and the disease for which the drug is hopefully being repurposed. And there can be other safety hurdles to clear as well. The blood pressure drug resratapine, for example, is designed to lower blood pressure. But since many people with Parkinson's already have low blood pressure, researchers had to determine whether taking isratapine would lower blood pressure in Parkinson's too far. So far, isratapine has passed all the safety tests. Still to be determined is the key question of whether that drug would actually modify dopamine loss. Those results should come in the next two years. Safety and preliminary efficacy results for the diabetes drug exanatide will be known later this year. So while there are a lot of shortcuts with repositioning, there's still a lot of work to do to make sure that the benefits would outweigh any risks of these uh, medications. Yet another challenge to bringing a repurposed drug to market is the marketplace itself. As everyone knows, when a new drug is made, there is a time limit through which there's an exclusivity around the manufacturing and selling of that drug based on the the patent life of that drug. And the advantage of that exclusivity is that that motivates uh, pharmaceutical companies to put significant money into the research so that they could get the drug on market and then have their period of time where they're um, selling that drug. But as the patent runs out, drug companies have less motivation to invest in further research. So the cost of researching and testing a drug's repurposing potential has fallen to foundations and the federal government. That's what happened in the case of Isratapine, where research costs have been shouldered by the Michael J. Fox Foundation and the National Institutes of Health. What's exciting is that if we can get enough data around this, these drugs are available so people could then get access to them relatively quickly. In the end, Shara says the key to finding a successful drug repurposing candidate comes back to basic science. The hypothesis and rationale for selecting of a particular medication to test in Parkinson's has to be grounded in solid scientific understanding of the disease. Mm -hmm. 
you really can't just do a scattered shot, like let's go to the pharmacy shelves and we'll just go through every one of these drugs. So you still have to have a very good rationale and rigorous process through which this is tested because the whole goal is to then provide actionable information to both the patient right. and physician community from these trials. That's Todd Scherer, CEO of the Michael J. Fox Foundation. He'll join us as part of our next Third Thursday webinar on July 20th when we explore the topic of drug repurposing in Parkinson's disease. To register, visit michaeljfox.org. I'm Dave Iverson. This is Michael J. Fox. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Learn more about the Michael J. Fox Foundation's work and how you can help speed a cure at michaeljfox.org.